following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. Good morning. Thank you for uh, allowing us, uh, allowing me to be back with you, and uh, welcoming uh, our brothers in uh, in harmony. Uh, we continue to enjoy our relationship with uh, this church through the ministry of Jordan and Bethany at Grace College and Seminary, and now with uh, Pastor John as well. As you know, uh, Pastor John still serves uh, and with us and. Christine was a very important part of our ministry at Grace. So it's a small world, right? It is a small world. So <laughs> that's good. You have two comedians now as pastors. Great. Great. Well, this morning uh, I want to talk about Psalm 119, and uh, it's only 176 verses. So if it's two minutes per verse, you can do the math. Um, no, I will not do that to you. Uh, Psalm 119 is a great, uh, great chapter. If you have your Bibles, I, I, I ask you to turn there just so I can show you certain things that are not uh, clear from, uh, you know, from the English version. Uh, in my version, Psalm 119 starts with the word Aleph. And then if you look down uh, to verse 9, it's Baith. And then uh, verse 17, Gimel, then Dalet, and so forth and so on. What do those words mean? Those words are actually the letters of the Hebrew alphabet. It would be basically like being uh, in your uh, Bibles. The, every, every verse starts with letter A for the first eight verses, for example. And then the next, uh, next eight verses start with B. And then again, if we were dealing with the English uh, alphabet, then the next state would start with C, D, so forth, and so on. Basically, this, this was a mnemonic device, uh, meaning that uh, it, was, it was helping memory. Imagine that back then, not everybody had a Bible. How did they learn the Bible? They would memorize it. And w- would you memorize easier if you knew that, hey, the next eight things start with the same letter? Would you memorize easier? Yeah. Yeah, and basically, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's called an acrostic. So you have all, the, all 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet st- uh, times eight verses. That's how we end up with 176 uh, verses. And uh, the verses that were read to us from uh, Psalm 119 are important. I start with, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. So my sermon title is, Oh, How I Love Your Law, because that's what Psalm 119 is all about. But it is not enough to say, oh, how I love your law. We need to teach it to our children. And we need to teach it to our children's children. That's why your church is blessed, because you have a great children's ministry and a great youth ministry. And that's a sign of a healthy church. Because it's not just about us. It's about how do we pass it on to our children and our children's children. Psalm 78, 4 says, we will not hide the works that God did for us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell the coming generation to the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders 
he has done. My dear brothers and sisters, we need to learn from the past. Because before I talk about Psalm 119, we need to talk about this verse in Judges 2. And we need to learn from history. And someone said that sometimes we learn from history that we don't learn from history. (laughs) Which is true. But we need to learn from history. And in Judges, after the death of Joshua, it's recorded in chapter 2, in Judges 2, 8 and 9. You know, we have the description of Joshua and the great things that he's, he's, he died. But then look what happens to the next generation. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there was another generation after them who did not know the Lord. Or the work that he has done for, for Israel. What a tragic verse. What a tragic verse. I came to the United States in 1986. And this was a big deal. You guys remember this? Young people, do you have one of these in your homes still? Some of you do? Some of you do? If not, you can go to a museum and see one. (laughs) But the boombox was a a big deal. And then it evolved into the two-cassette tape boombox. You had two tapes. So you could listen to Elvis Presley, you know, Put a cassette in there, and then put an empty tape in the other one, and push a button, and you would copy everything from here to there. Brilliant. <laughs> I know it sounds uh, old-fashioned, but it was not that old. It's like 30-some years ago. See, here's the problem. The problem is with the, this generation that we read about in Judges, they didn't do this. They didn't pass on to the next generation what they knew and what they have learned about God. With all these technological advances, are we, could it be that we are technologically advanced, but we don't pass on to the next generation what we need to pass on? That's the question. And one thing we need to pass on is the law of God and the love for, for the law. Why do we love the Word of God? And why do we need to pass it on to our children and grandchildren? Because the Word of God comes from the living God. Jeremiah 10.10 says, The Lord is the true God. He is the, the living God and the everlasting King. The first thing we need to do, my dear brothers and sisters, is to introduce our children to the living God. It's not just the Word of God, but the God of the Word. And that's the reason we're teaching them the Word of God, so they can learn about the God of the Word. Because if you don't know one, you're not going to know the other. So that's the very important thing. Why do we love the Word of God? It's because it leads us to the living God. We love the Word of God. And we can say, I loved the Word of God. Why? Because it teaches me to live in purity. Psalm 119.11 says, I have stored up my word, your word in my heart, that I might not sin against you, my dear brothers and sisters, what stops us from sinning? The Bible says, storing God's Word in our heart. That's why we need to know what the Word says, so when the temptation comes, I know to say no to it, because I know what the Bible says about it. The question is, do I know what the Bible says about it? I do, if I read it, and if I study it, and if I say, oh, how I love your Word. You should be blessed, and you are blessed, you are blessed. Because you're in a church that preaches the Word of God. A lot of churches don't have that. A colleague of mine, 
uh, who teaches part-time for us, uh, got a phone call from a, a president of a Christian theological seminary in Indianapolis and called them up and said, uh, hey, I want you to teach for us. Uh, so my friend is very conservative and told the president of the seminary, well, I don't think I'm very compatible with you guys. You know, I, I believe something about the Bible. You guys don't, don't believe certain things like we do. And, uh, and the, the president, who is a man, asked him, is it because of our stance on homosexuality? And my friend says, well, yeah, that's one of the views that we differ on. And then the president, who is a man, replied, well, then my husband would not like that. Again, we're not talking about Joe off the street. We're talking about the president of a theological seminary. My dear brothers and sisters, what will keep us to live in purity, what will teach us how to live in purity is, is the word of God. And that's why we have to say, oh, how I love your word. The word of God teaches us to live in purity. The word of God gives us strength. I don't know about you, but sometimes we feel like that. We go to God and we don't know what to say. Dear God, and all we have are tears. And the psalmist teaches us and says, my soul melts away for sorrow. Strengthen me according to your word. If you read Psalm 119, you know that the psalmist who's writing this has been persecuted by other people around him. Verse 16, he laments, Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, I do not forget your law. Verse 23, Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. My dear brothers and sisters, when we feel like that, where do we go? Uh, if you're like me, sometimes I go to my friends and say, Hey, this is what happened to me. They're like, ah. And yet the Bible teaches me that when I feel like that, I should go to his word. Because God will always be there through his word. And I go there all the time because it's unchanging, because it's unchanging truth. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures, endures forever. You know, there are things that are, that, are, that are changing in the world. Technology changes, other things changes. But one thing that changes is the word of God will never change. Because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and so is his word. It doesn't change according to the culture. Listen, if your truth changes according to the culture, it's not truth. Take not the word of truth, he says in verse 33, uh, for, for my mouth, for my hope is in your, your rules. See, when you reject the truth of God, you're not just going to replace it with another truth. When you reject the word of God, you're going to replace it with a lie. That's why Satan is known as the father of, of lies. Some of you know this building. How many of you know this building? Come on, no Ohio State fans? No? Oh, good. You are saved. Good. That's good. That's good. I'm glad I'm preaching to believers. That's great. This is the Wexner Center for the Performing Arts at The Ohio State University. And uh, a pastor was getting a tour of this, uh, of this, of the whole campus, and uh, they came to this building, and the tour guide said very proudly, "This is the first postmodern building." <laughs> and the pastor was like, "What is a postmodern building?" And the uh, architect said, uh, 
Well, the tour guide said, the architect said that he designed this building with no design in mind. If life is capricious, why should our buildings have any design and any meaning? So the pillars have no purpose. Here's a stairway that goes nowhere. Kind of like Jordan's uh, stationary bicycle. Senseless <laughs> building built and, and somebody paid for it. That was the, the, the dinger, the zinger. The pastor said, it's uh, interesting. No meaning, no design, no purpose. And the pastor looked at the guy and said, uh, I wonder if they did the same thing with the foundation. What do you guys think? Ah, 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 no. You can't do that with the foundation. Because at the moment you mess with the foundation, there is no more building. See, it's the same thing with us, my dear brothers and sisters. When we don't have the foundation of God's word anymore, we're done. As a church, as a community, as a society. That's why we have to go back to the Word of God all the time because it is the Word of God. It's unchanging truth of God. It's our foundation for everything that we say and do. Oh, how I love your Word. Why? Because it gives us wisdom. And oh, how we need wisdom today. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies for even, for it is ever with with me. Now you might say, that's a little uh, prideful if you say, your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies. But listen, uh, it is true. Not only, not only that, but in another part he says, I am wiser than even my teachers because I obey your word. Is that possible? Yes, it is possible. I grew up in... Uh, under communism, I grew up in the communist country of Romania uh, until 1986. I was about 15 and a half. My dad decided to uh, flee, to defect, because he just uh, wanted to give us a future. We didn't really have a future in a communist country. So, uh, but when I went to school, the first thing I was taught is there is no God. That's the first thing they teach you, there is no God. So um, I, I know that in America, for some reason, there are some Americans who are very enamored with communism. And socialism. Here's why. They don't know what it teaches. Marx was an atheist who the first thing he said, there is no God. So you cannot be a Christian communist. <laughs> you cannot be a Christian communist. You can, those, it's an oxymoron. Those things don't work together. Because communism in itself, in the, you can read the Communist Manifesto for yourself, it starts with there is no God. Marx said religion is the opiate, uh, the opiate of the masses. So I grew up uh, under this, yeah, so I, I'm showing you Lenin, Marx, and Engels. So Marx and Engels were the ones who wrote the Communist uh, Manifesto. Um, so I, I went to school, and they told me there is no God. Did I know differently? I knew differently, you know why? Because of this. Because by the time I started school, my parents and grand my mom is here this morning. My, my parents and grandparents taught me that there is a God. And not only they told me there is a God, but we read from the Bible. 
Uh, my dad was a choir director. He taught me how to, how to sing. Before I went to first grade, listen, when I went to first grade, I already knew how to read and write because I had an uncle who uh, was, uh, was ill. He couldn't walk. So our job as kids were to, were to take food to him every day. So he lived in the same house with us. He had his own room. And that uncle taught me how to sing and how to read and write. Before I, went to, before I started first grade, I knew how to read and write and sing. And you know what he taught me how to read and write? The Word of God. And I sang the songs of God. So when, I got, when somebody then told me there is no God, I knew better. You know why? Because someone invested in me and poured into me. My dear brothers and sisters, that's what we need to do with our children and grandchildren. Do not let an atheistic, communistic government teach you things or teach your children things. You have to teach them. It's your job. It's my job. When Jesus says, you shall make disciples, <laughs> you shall make disciples. Your kids are your disciples. My first disciples are my children. If I don't teach them, who will teach them? So you have to pass this along with them because... At some point, you can say, and your kids can say, I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. That is not something proud. It's, it's something that needs to be true. I love the Word of God because the Word of God comforts us. This is my comfort and my affliction that your promises give me, give me life. Verse 52, when I think of your rules from old, I take comfort, O Lord. Verse 76, let your steadfast love comfort me according to your promise to your, to your servant. We need the Word of God because the Word of God guides us. This is probably one of the earliest verses I, I learned from Psalm 119, verse 105. Your lamp is a, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Do we need a light on our path today? Boy, with all the darkness that's going on around us, my dear brothers and sisters, understand the imagery. Life is a path, and the Word of God is the light which helps us go on the path. Without the Word of God, we will be in, in darkness. I'm reminded about the words of Jesus, who says, Not only do I need to know, but I need to do what it says. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because he had found it on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall, the fall of it. I love the Word of God because it teaches me how to live my life every day. It shows me the way every day. Listen, God is not the inventor of confusion. If you are confused, it is not because of the Word of God. The Word of God is clear. And it teaches you exactly what you need and what we need to do. Now, I'm not saying there are no blessings. The word, the, actually, the Bible says that the Word of God leads to blessings and the obedience to the Word of God leads to blessings. That should not be my motivation, but it is a reality. See, Psalm 1 starts with, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his, lay, on his law he meditates day and night. Now look in Psalm 119. Look at the parallels. Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Look at the parallels. 
Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong, but walk in his, his ways. See, there are blessings associated with this. Again, that should not be our motivation, but when we listen to the word of God, when we obey it, when we do it, we get blessings. We should testify to that every day, right? Jesus says to his disciples, you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. See, what happens when you read the Word of God or when you listen to the Word of God, there's an automatic cleansing that happens. Jesus says that. That's what Jesus says to His disciples. You are clean because of the Word that I have spoken to you, so do not underestimate the reading of Scripture to yourself and to your children and your grandchildren. There's a hymn that talks about this. There will be showers of blessing. This is the promise of love. There shall be seasons refreshing sent from the Savior above. But most of all, we love the Word of God because it leads us to the living Word of God, which is none other than Jesus Christ. When John begins his gospel, he writes, In the beginning was the, the Word with capital W. That talks about Jesus. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. So in the beginning, we can say in the beginning was Jesus. And Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. So the Word of God is important because it leads us to Christ. As the German reformer Martin Luther said, the Bible is the cradle where Christ is laid. So my dear brothers and sisters, we need to lead by example. So first of all, I want to ask you, what is on your, in your, on your original tape? What is it? And I, I was kidding about Elvis, but... I grew up listening to Elvis. I mean, that's why you Americans smuggled into Romania. Uh, Elvis, Bill Gaither. By the way, thank you for Bill Gaither. Um, but you know, I, I was reading a biography about uh, Elvis, and uh, I'm on the second volume, which is fascinating. And but I always, I always read to see where did he go wrong. Because he started out well, you know. He started out well. He Actually, there are people around him that, you know, smoked and did drugs. And he said, I don't want anything to do with them. You're not going to do this in my presence. He loved going to church. He loved the, the music in the church. But listen, my dear brothers and sisters, when you reject the word of God, it's all over. When you go with what culture says and not what the Bible says, we're done. And that's why it's important to know what's on your tape. And then what do you pass on to your, to your children? If they see you, that you love God and His Word, they will love God and His Word. Or at least they'll get that from you. You know, I love, I love singing because I was taught by my, by my uncle and by my dad to love singing. And I still do it because that's what they invested in me. You've got to invest in your grandchildren and in your children. I'm hoping that the future generation will not say what it says about judges. I hope your next generation won't say, oh, they didn't know the Lord or His Word. I hope they will say this, First Chronicles 12. You want to write this down? This is an important verse. First Chronicles 12:32. My prayer is they will say about the generation that comes after you, what it said about the sons of Issachar in First Chronicles 12, 32. They were men of understanding who understood the times 
and knew what Israel should do. There were men, and we can say there were men and women of understanding, who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. So how, to, uh, how do we apply the truth? First of all, you've got you to trust him. You've got to trust him. The author of Hebrews says, The word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Uh, the word of God is still living, but listen, it will cut some stuff in your heart that's not good. Trust him. Trust him that the word, the God who gave the word is also the surgeon who needs to cut stuff that needs, doesn't need to be there. Trust him. So don't read the Bible as you read the newspaper. Read the Bible as the living and active word of God who is doing a, a work in your heart. And then praise him. I will praise you when I pray hard. At midnight, I rise to praise you. If you're like me and you wake up in the middle of the night, sometimes I go on my phone, and that's the wrong thing to do. Just ask my wife. She will tell you. But you know what? The Bible says, when I wake up in the middle of the night, what should I do? Praise him. Try that next time you wake up in the middle of the night. You can't sleep anymore. Praise Him. Praise Him. I will praise you with an upright heart. At midnight, I rise to praise you. Verse 7, 62, 108, 164, 171, 1795. See, the Word of God leads us to praise Him. It's not just about, oh, well, I'm getting all this information. No, no, I got to live it out. I got to praise the giver of the Word. Praise Him because He's in the business of changing lives and He can still change lives. If you're here today and Jesus Christ is now your Lord and Savior, I'm here to tell you that He still saves you and He is the Savior. The question is, is He your Savior? And if He's not your Savior, maybe today is the day of salvation. Surrender your life to Him. Let me close with this illustration from uh, Richard Wurbrand's book, Tortured for Christ. Some of you know that book. Uh, if you send your kids to Grace, you know they read Tortured for Christ. Uh, in Christianity and Critical Thinking. And uh, Richard Wurbrand was an atheist first. And uh, he, he tells of his conversion when a German carpenter gave Richard a Bible. It's interesting because the, the, the German carpenter was a simple man living in, a, in, the, in the hills uh, somewhere in the middle of Romania. And he said, Lord, because Jesus was Jewish... Give me the opportunity to share the gospel with the Jewish person. <laughs> Ta-da! So Richard Wurbrand shows up in his village. So this guy is sharing the gospel with Richard. And uh, Richard Wurbrand writes in Tortured for Christ. He says, he saw, me, he saw in me the answer to his prayer and gave me a Bible to read. I read the Bible out of cultural interest many times before, but the Bible he gave me was another kind of Bible. As he told me sometime later, he and his wife prayed together for hours over this Bible. The Bible he gave me 
was written not so much in words, but in flames of love fired by his prayers. I could barely read it. I could only weep over it. With his love, and he accepted me as one of his own. Soon thereafter, my wife was converted. She brought me other soul to Christ. Those other souls brought still more souls to Christ. And it's still happening. Why? Because someone invested something in someone else. My dear brothers and sisters, I pray that all of us will be able to say with the psalmist, Oh, how I love your law. Not just that, but then we'll pass it on to our children and grandchildren. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for allowing us to live in this great country that still has these freedoms where we can uh, worship openly and we can read our Bibles and even share the gospel to those around us. Give us a love for them like this German carpenter had for, his, uh, for this man that he did not know. Thank you for the legacy of Richard Wurbrand and, uh, and these, uh, these men who lived, uh, for, for those who lived before I me. Mean, thank you for my parents and my, my uncle and my grandparents who showed me the way to Christ. I pray that we will uh, continue to love you and your word and to show a dying word that Jesus still saves, that he can still... He's still in the business of changing lives. Pray for this church. They will continue to be a, a light in this dark world. And many people will come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Bless uh, Jordan and Bethany, uh, Pastor John and Christine. And those who, who lead uh, children and youth and all, all these ministries. I pray they will bless them. And may your name be glorified in everything they say and do. It is in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Community Gospel Church podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab.